one. Yo, you already know what it is. Your boy DJ Filthy Rich. Yeah, it's your boy DJ Big X. What's happening, DJ Smooth? And this is the We Outside Show. We Outside, and we got our special guest tonight. Listen, man, the one and only real from Real Street Promotions. Let's get it. Hey. 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 What's good, my guy? What's the deal? Cool it, man. So I wanted to have you on the show because, first of all, we're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about your book. But before we get into that, I really want people to know that you are a part of Atlanta history that doesn't get spoken on a lot. Like, I hear a lot of stories. I see a lot of documentaries. Urban I see a lot legends. of things. Yeah, where they're talking about Atlanta history when it comes to music. And your name never gets brought up. So I want you to tell the people who don't know who you are who you are. Oh, that's crazy. I, I, bring, I noticed that, too. But uh, <laughs> I noticed that, too. I ain't even going to lie to you. I noticed that, too. And, you know, not 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 to sound arrogant or cocky, it's just, it just is what it is. We talking facts, right? Yeah, we talking real facts. Because when when I got started, there was no Ludacris. Well, they probably was doing anything, but not on a, not on a wide scale. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So Ludacris, T.I., any of those guys. So... My marketing company helped launch Ludacris, T.I., and then actually the list goes on because it's not just for the South. So I was like part of the beginning of the promotional arm that helped launch Ludacris, Rihanna, Kanye West, John Legend, uh, Pretty Ricky, the list goes on, Young Jeezy, Little John, freaking you name it when they was coming out. We did marketing for Will, His Will Hister Smith help launch keeping up with the kardashians seasons one and two mm. everything that came out of bad boy from sean john fragrances to i want to work for diddy we did some form of promotions or marketing consulting or or anything so pretty much everything that came out and and on the music business side and in entertainment from i guess uh shoot 2000 stunned everything that came out since 2000 I, yeah, I like to call it bottle. the second wave. I had that brown bottle at Sean John. The little yeah, brown, brown bottle. bottle. <laughs> even with, <laughs> and even with Ciroc, a lot of people don't know that uh, I was probably one of the dudes that gave most people their first bottle of Ciroc in Atlanta. So it was like Frank Ski, uh, Stewie Rock. Mm -hmm. If they remember back, back then when it was just the Blue Dot, yeah. I was giving out free bottles yeah. of Ciroc. They only had the Blue Dot bottle. I remember those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The original. So... It goes on. I used to manage Vivian Green, R.I.P. the Gangsta Bull. Used to manage her. Uh, who else? Emil from Rockefeller um, helped us resign re her deal with a dude named True Styles. True Styles did the beat for uh, Ja Rule, put it on me. So I got a lot of little behind-the-scenes things that a lot of people just didn't know. Yeah. So for the people that uh, do know, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, you don't get brought up a lot. So I want to talk about your start. So you were taught. This is like, that's when I first moved down here. So I moved down here in 1999. And that's when the game was really changing to me. I was just like, damn, I remember, like, the beginning of Tip, the beginning of Luda, the beginning of Luda, I mean, of uh, Lil John. And that's when Atlanta started really the, catching fire. The new fire. real Atlanta. Mm -hmm. The new real Atlanta, yeah. right? After right. Outkast and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Goody Mob. So mm -hmm. the thing that I remember the most is one of the best campaigns I've ever seen was the Jeezy the Snowman campaign. Yeah. And you had a lot to do with that. Big facts. Me and my boy Dwight. Right, so break down that era, man, and what you were doing, like exactly what you and your team was doing, Real Street Promotions. So what my team was responsible for was the, the, our main job was promotions, making sure that he got out there. Um, so whether we doing radio for Mix Show, 
all the Young Jeezy poster boards, all that stuff between me and Dwight, making sure the balloons, anything you've seen with Young Jeezy between me and my, my man Dwight, Dwight King, we was making sure that that shit was moving all over the place. Did y'all start the, the, the poster towers? Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know if I could say I, I started it, but I know when I would be in New York and I saw how aggressive their promotional team was, I know nobody in Atlanta was that aggressive. So putting the posters going all the way up the poles on 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 the highway yeah. and all that stuff, nobody else was doing that. So I was taking what I saw in New York, bringing it down here, so, picking so, up top game deep in the South. So you the reason why they can't put posters on poles no more? Yeah, yeah. I got, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was crazy. I got a... Um, I had ended up getting a hundred thousand dollar fine, and um, the record labels left me dry. Right, something a lot of people don't know too. They left me dry. Like you know, I was calling labels like, "Yo, got a hundred thousand dollars in fines. This portion go to you. This portion go to you." Bust it down. It's like, nah, you dead. You dead on that. Word for promoting yeah, they artists. Man. Yeah, niggas is grimy. Damn, that's the music industry though. It's ugly. I remember. Um, so I feel like I was in Miami. When that Jeezy, when the Jeezy posters was going super crazy and mm-hmm. he was handing out CDs and all that, so that was y'all too, right? Yeah, but 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 who handles so it, for specific cities? You got different teams in every city. Mm-hmm. So in Miami, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lex Promotions. Yeah, I know Lex. That's yeah. my guy. Yeah, Lex. He was doing. He did the uh, Rick Ross and a lot of that stuff. Yeah, correct, correct. So very similar in nature. Yeah, but we but between me and Dwight, we were picking what people are gonna go in what cities and. Who's gonna do what? So Lex was the guy for Miami. Yeah, go ahead. So let me let me fast forward a little bit to like now, mm-hmm. because now even when we talk about street promotions, and I know that like that was your thing, like now street promotions is really kind of like uh, it, it don't really exist mm-hmm. when we say it as in a form of promotion. What happened? What happened? Like what what made people stray away from hands on street promotions? So around two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Is, well, it probably started in 2008 when the economy was crashing. The big real estate bust was happening. To ship all of that material and the labor, that's where the bulk of the cost was. Right. Then the internet was coming out. Right. So then it started becoming like a cheaper way to promote. People thought it would be better to be able to just press a button on the internet and that would be able to get the word out. Then all the record labels were collapsing. And they were merging. So it was a lot of confusion in the industry around that time. So definitely about 2010, it just had to stop. And then you got to remember, it was getting harder and harder to get labor. Right. Because now the fines are out of control. Uh, my street team was getting arrested every day. Like, it was like, it was like. It was getting locked up about that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah going yeah, to jail. Yeah. 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 It's going to jail. Because at one point, it was against the law to even put uh, promotional oh, material on the light, light on the light poles. And they tried, I think some of them tried to do the stickers. Yeah. It wasn't just the stickers. Well, you got to like, think, I, I, I will say this. Now, they kind of went crazy with the, stip, the, the stickers. <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever went to, like, when they did the uh, Ozone. Remember the Ozone Awards? Uh-huh, and uh-huh. They used to have those conferences. Can you imagine those hotels having to clean those stickers out of the elevator, off the off the walls in the yeah. hotel? Yeah. It yeah. just got, it got, the stickers got crazy. And I, I'm a country boy, so... I can relate. I did my own street promotions too, so I I seen the transition from going to five to eight different towns with a staple gun and, and tape to like just hitting MySpace and mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it's like it just eventually you just stopped doing it. Yeah, but that was so that probably was the biggest 
changed was the internet. Right. And it was cheaper. Because you no could call. press a button and then you yeah. think yeah, well, you, oh, you had to pay for what was It didn't mean it was better. But but see, I, I still used I I still use this as an example too. Like even though it is a lot faster and you do reach a lot more people, but I still feel like that hands on, you know, being able to reach the people physically with your promotion. Why yeah. you know, I don't say everybody gotta have flyers and, and some of the stuff that everybody used to have, but I think now if you if you actually could physically put get a way to actually promote yourself physically, I think that's the best promotion you can do. Well, overall, one of the one of the things that the internet doesn't give people that an advantage that street promotions had and field marketing because what what people really didn't know was my company was a field marketing company right. more than it was a street team. So we started out doing field marketing for the United States Army. That's how I got in the in the game. I wow. actually worked at an advertising agency. Okay. So shout out to Images USA, <laughs> but that's a, a real ad agency so when i came in with the knowledge that i had of doing real marketing i knew how to bring that to the entertainment industry mm. you can change a person's mind when you have somebody with boots on the ground so if i'm trying to talk to you about an artist and you might not like them but you got people on the ground but now you, you get to talk about different things you can change their mind with the internet it just is what it is and then you got a whole bunch of people who could just go crazy on you if they want to that's yeah. why I don't, I don't fuck with the internet. Like yeah. that's I, I I really don't like it. But but it, I see the benefit. But for somebody like me, it's just I don't like it. I'm 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 a I don't like it. I'll just leave it at that. So, I don't so like do you, it. I'll fuck I with it. So do you? I agree with. I'll fuck with so it. do you feel like? Do you feel like even now? I mean, that's being, why I ain't do interviews. Nothing. Even though even though you've been doing promotions for a while and you you don't like the internet, do you feel like the internet pushes? The art is a lot better or a lot stronger, or do you feel like street promotions is needed now? So what people forget about marketing is you have to have a marketing mix. Mm -hmm. So it's not one thing that made it work, right? Here's what street promotions. We used Thanks. to do a littering campaign. Throw all the flyers on the floor. Right. They're like, why are you doing that? That's a waste of product. No, because most people, and I went to school for psychology and business, most people walk with what? They head down. Right. So you see it. Psychologically, you ain't paying too much mind. Then a pretty girl is giving you a flyer. You might take it for a second, still throw it on the floor. My company, you couldn't put flyers on a windshield. You had to put it right above the door lock. Right. It's very strategic what was going on in my office, which how we ended up having every record label account, and nobody really understood how he's ha how does because you're not supposed to have every label account. That's right. really a conflict of interest. I got GZ <laughs> or 50 Cent when he's beefing with Ja Rule or. It's a lot going on. But when you put that door, that flyer right over that door lock, what you think happens? Person picks it up, they look at it, you put it on the windshield, what do you do? You get in your car, turn the windshield wiper off just to get the shit off. Yeah. Right. Right? Boom. So then once you do that, you might throw it back on the floor. But then you get in the car, turn on the radio. That's the marketing mix, right? Right. Because now you got radio. So now you're like, damn, this just sound like it's going crazy. Then you go home, you open up Rock Rockland One magazine. You see an ad in there. You're like, oh, okay. But then you're supposed to come to the internet and see it too. So it's not one thing that makes things pop. And if you notice, now people don't really have marketing campaigns. They got promotions. Right. There's a difference between advertising, marketing, and promotion. So explain, so explain, explain to me the difference between marketing and promotion. So marketing is how you're going to put together your campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Like the look of it, the feel of it. Promotions is almost like it's more of the execution of it mm -hmm. and how you're going to get the word out. That's the promotions. That's the part people don't understand. Marketing is pretty much your general idea of 
what it's going to look like. Promotions is more your execution of it. So I think that's I think that's the confusing side of where we at with it now because I think a lot of people think when they're doing promotions, they are marketing themselves too. But now what you're telling me is marketing is totally separate from promotions. It's a thousand percent separate. Correct. So, and I think that's another mis mis a piece of misinformation that's been given to artists as well because I think a lot of times when these kids out here promoting themselves, they really think that promote the promotion that they're doing is actually marketing them. No, they, they, it's, it's a lot of that going on. Like a lot of the terms and everybody just wants to call, it's just a renegade society, you know? If you think Young Jeezy the snowman, the snowman is the, a piece of the marketing. Right. But then the promotions elements are gonna be, what, we're, what are we gonna do with that now? Are we right. gonna go inside the clubs? Are we gonna go in lifestyle locations? Are we gonna go to barbershops and put barbershop capes on people with the snowman on it? Right. Then what do you do from there? Everything has to connect the dot. And if you notice, that's why brands, uh, new artists, don't have any staying power because they br they don't have a brand. They just hot for that moment and then they disappear. Michael. You know why I stay hot this long? Or well, I wouldn't even say hot, but I still stay relevant behind the scenes because all the artists I just named st are still around. Right. Hmm. They're still around because of marketing. Right. Now, you know, of course, age is starting to slow down that train a little bit. So, but because now you got a lot of new kids coming out, but look how quick they're coming out, they're disappearing. Yeah. Let's take Migos. There ain't no marketing for real behind them. Mm -hmm. Think about when they first came out. But now if, they, if they didn't keep dropping hot records, they'd be out of here. Right. Because there's no marketing, there's no staying power. No disrespect to Migos, but. Yeah, but there is a difference, though. It's a difference between branding yourself and marketing yourself to have staying power versus just, all right, we so, know about you because you hot right now. So so you keep bringing up that word branding, and I, and I hear that a lot as far as, like, in the community now and in the culture, branding. So I'm assuming that branding is totally separate from marketing and promotion as well. Right. So can you break that down to me? So branding is, is like how <clears throat> it's your voice. Right. It's what does your brand represent? Mm -hmm. So if you think about, let's say Nike, the brand is courageous, just do it, motivational. Right. That's the brand. The marketing is how do you get that, the voice of your brand out there, then the promotions connects to how is it executed. Right. So like that. the execution side of it is really, is that would you say that would be the hardest part? Yes. Because I see everything else is all thought process. Everything else is all thought out and everything that you can actually write down and physically put on a piece of paper Correct. and kind of think it out. But the execution part is the actual physical part of actually executing the actual thought of what you put down. Think about it. Everybody got an idea. Right. The people who execute the idea is the ones that's going to be successful and the consistency. Another thing with marketing, I remember when 2 Chains was doing um, – uh, the trap houses, right? Yeah, because a lot of those, a lot of them probably saw what we was doing in our office, and they, they, especially some of my interns, eventually went to other companies. But there were certain key elements that they didn't understand that came from me working for a traditional marketing company that I knew. Mm -hmm. Let's say you got the trap house, so everybody ran down to that trap house, took pictures. But if that campaign ran through my office, you would have had to get some form of analytics. Back in the days, what would you have to do if you wanted an artist to uh, autograph your album? You had to get it signed. You had yeah. to buy it. Right, purchase it. Not just all these people standing around the trap house going crazy. But, but for social media, it looked good. But as a marketing company and a real agency, not just 
how people just say they do marketing. A right. real agency, mm -hmm. I would have had to come back with analytics. Yeah, if you want to take this picture, let me get your email. I need your email. Yeah. I need something yeah. to take that back. If right. you want to go inside the trap house, you got to give me your email. Give me this. You got to right. get something in return. Yeah. Not just, okay, a viral moment. The viral moment, is, it was great, and right. it still could happen. But to get the bigger dollars, you got to have the analytics. That's how you get paid. Right. Analytics. So in their defense too though, I think they went heavy on merch. They went real heavy on merch, T shirts and sweaters, different stuff on, on his side. No, but it's, they didn't do that's what I'm saying. It's nothing bad. It's just different it's a marketing mix. You right, can right. you can have that, but then you gotta have this. You gotta that's why the artists of today have staying power. That's why Ludacris could drop an album whenever he feel like it. Right. He had marketing, chicken and waffles, or uh what was it, chicken and beer, I think we did and yeah. All that stuff, yeah. So outside of the, because that was actually a good, a, a good one, the Pink Trap House, that was dope. Mm -hmm. What are some of the ones that you've seen over the years, and you like, that was hard. You know what I mean? Some some of the ones that impressed you. I gotta shout out my 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 former intern here, super big dog now, my boy Tunde, LVRN. Um, they did uh, uh, something for Twenty One Savage at a hotel, but I think that was Tunde. I hope it was. I hope I didn't get it wrong. Yeah, it was Tunde. But they had uh, changed a, a old hotel into trap houses. So every time you went into a different room, it was something going on in there. Hey, y'all didn't, didn't go to that? Nah. Oh, that nah. shit was crazy. We didn't get the invite. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he, he, he was just starting. So he would, he would I don't know how y'all, y'all should have definitely got an invite. Yeah, that sounds like our type of but thing. But it was, it was crazy. Now, if he was still under my wing at that time when he did that, I would, I saw the things that, because I'm going to go to an event and look for something different. Mm. Amazing, amazing job they did. But then, in my mind, I'd be like, Tunde, where's the analytics? Where's this? Where's that? Because, you know, I'd be hard on my team. So, when you, so I, I, I hear you, and we all, I always talk about analytics and stats and analytics. I want you to talk about, right now, how important collecting the data is so that you can get the analytics. I think a lot of times when we do these events and we do a lot of artists go out, they don't collect data. Correct. And I mean, it's everything. How else can you show your reach? Right. You know, you have to have that. Think about back in the days. What we what we used to have to do. You had to collect the email address. Right. So you could send out your email blast. That's Correct. still relevant to this day. Tell me about it. Is. It. <laughs> it is. Tell me about it. Smooth <laughs> does that, though. Smooth is good with that, with marketing, branding, collecting, things like that. He's good with that, too, man. For real. Because yeah. I think a lot of times artists forget that, you know, if I'm in a room full of people, it's cool to get everybody's number. But if I can get your email address, I mean, I can not only can I call you, now I can send you something. You can send them something. Now I can physically send you my new single. Now I can physically send you an invite to what I'm doing. And that's part of, you know, having that data, making that, when you, when you send out, you're doing a marketing and a promotion plan, you actually can figure out, like, who you're marketing to. Correct. You see what I'm That's saying? That's important too. And and I think now people are just throwing everything out there to see what sticks. But right. that's why you have to have what we call a target market. Right. Right? Right. If I'm gonna be selling uh I don't know, let's let's use DJs for instance. When I used to have to get records played in the club, right. I can't go to every DJ to get them to play the record the same. When I gotta get a record played, let's say it's DJ Mars. DJ Mars don't drink. So mm -hmm. I can't bring him a drink, but I'm gonna bring Filthier drink. Right. Right? He drank. He drank. <laughs> <laughs> then you got, uh, at the time, Young Jeezy DJ was DJ Fahrenheit. Right. I used to 
joke around with Fahrenheit, he like M&Ms. See, I was so ill with my shit because of the psychology. I'm in the middle of the club like this with M&Ms. People looking at me like, what is this nigga doing? Fahrenheit's looking at the DJ booth. I got a bag of M&Ms. He like, come up here. Got a bag of M&Ms for you, Fahrenheit. I need you to play this record. Right. You know what I mean? So, but knowing how to reach specific people for specific things, that's how you able to move your product or your brand faster. So if you got a target market and you're trying to sell red cups, you don't want to sell them to Crips. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. you know, that ain't gonna move as fast. Right. So, but that's how you could get it because then you could separate it by gender, you could separate it by uh, medium income, you could separate it by race, all of those things. So you could know where you're getting your sales from. So you Man, think you know so. So you think a lot <laughs> of know artists. So. Oh, yeah. so you think oh, a lot oh. of artists right now, and as I'm listening to you, as I'm listening to you talk, and I'm and I'm, I'm taking it in, I think a lot of artists do need to like start really targeting who their audience is. I think a lot right. of times when they're putting out records now, they don't have a target a target audience. No, nope. they just actually what 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 they say. I'm just uploading it up on the on the on the net. Nah, you know what they call that? They throwing shit against the wall and seeing what stick. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? I, I get that, but I think a lot of it now is, especially with this new age and era of, of um, an audience now, you can kind of target it now, especially through, like, you got MailChimp, you got all these different ways. Mm-hmm. Just just imagine right now if you was an artist and you was to actually go through your email and put all those those email addresses into uh, uh, some type of way that you can send out emails. That's your that's your target audience because everybody that you that you're sending that sending that that who who you have emails on are already in your email. Like if I'm a if I rap and I got the but it's part of my swag, I got the illest sneakers. Right. Then I know when I'm going to sneaker con events and all these type of things, then I know <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, I know Next. what people to send certain kind of promotions to. Doesn't mean you might not send everything to everybody, but you still make sure that you're sending it to that core. That's why the artists who, who've been able to tap into their core audience, uh, they continue to tour forever. I saw somebody just ask, ah, what's this guy's name? Somebody just asked, who's still booking, I don't know, some, uh, Jason Derulo or somebody. I had never seen a Jason Derulo concert or something like that, but he had a core audience. It was on, it's online. I can't, I don't know if that was the right yeah. name, but somebody like that. Who's booking these yeah. people? These are people who tapped into their target audience, their right. core audience, and they're gonna tour forever. Right. I seen that with J Cole. Oh, that that, that shit was that's is what it was. Ridiculous, it was J. Cole. bro. You go to his concert, and almost eighty mm-hmm. percent of his fan base has got on Dreamville mm-hmm. gear, like loyal fans. Mm-hmm. But that, that gives you the longevity. So I'm going to tell you who else mastered that, the 85 South Show. Like, that's how their fans are. It's like a cult following. Correct. You know what I'm saying? When you see them, it's like they're all family. Like, you don't even know each other. Like, oh, man, you were 85% of me, too. And they automatically, it's creating groups of, uh, it's like a family. It's like, I don't want to use the word cult, but when you have a fan base like that that's serious about you, you really will eat forever because they're never going to leave you because they feel like you care. You know, once you get people to care, that's everything. Correct. That's everything. So, um... We're going to get into some music. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. And when we come back, I want to talk to Real about (laughs) managing the Super Friends. We'll be right back, man. It's the We Outside Show.
It's a movie. New Music Mondays, the only platform where you can have 15 to 20 DJs in the room to give you feedback, real feedback, not that yes man shit on your actual music. You know, let's say that's my nigga. I made him a million. Now fuck it, we are rich. Put the whole vibe, you know what I'm saying? You, you put your whole into it, you know what I'm saying? You, you gave a little swag to it. I'm talking about the two What's happening? It's your girl DJ Killer Key, the gourmet DJ, and we are right here now at New Music Mondays with Coalition ATL. Take you a mile, I'ma shoot by myself. Tell me you enjoy the show. Yeah, it's a it's a dope show. I'm, I'm definitely feeling it. My wife feeling it too. Okay. Welcome to Fulton Industrial Boulevard, the armpit of Atlanta, Georgia. Home of the pimps, hoes, players, prostitutes, rappers, strip clubs. And don't forget about the dope boys, shouters. And the fat asses, bro. And the Roach Motel. I know I had me a Coke 45 around here somewhere. What the hell is my malt liquor? I know one of them roaches ain't take my goddamn malt liquor. Hey, what's up, people? My name's Ray the Roach, and I'm what you might call a rebel. I live inside the walls of this dirty motel with my two best friends, my always hungry and always horny homie Rico. Hey, what's up, guys? Since you got her a dog, is she finally gonna let you in her doggy door? What? what? You know, her doggy door. And my cousin Roscoe the Troublemaker. Hell no, I ain't going in there. Ah! Roscoe, are you hurt? Nah, I'm good, sis. But I can't move. Why not? Because I'm on my back. You know roaches can't get up if they on their backs. Oh, yeah, you're right. And this is my beautiful ride-or-die girlfriend, Lala. I'm coming with you. No way. It's too dangerous. Exactly. You think I'm going to let you go out there with these two idiots? You need me to watch your back. Nah, we can handle it. Is there something on my shirt? Because something stinks. And my back feels wet. Nah, shawty, you good? You're right. The life of a roach is a struggle. We risk our lives every day just so we can survive. Goddamn show-offs. Damn, Lauren got a fat ass. Now, the outside world is a huge and crazy place, and the motel owner Stan has no problem smashing us on sight. We even got to watch out for our own kind. What's up, you roach-ass roach? What you got? You got some pocket check, punk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, let me go, okay. man. Time to take that ride on the pain train. Rustin' the move. Oh. Ain't gonna lock. Ankle lock. It's not working. He out of the ankle lock. He out of the ankle lock. Shit, we even got a neighborhood superstar. Hey, go R-O-A-C-A. What? What? Who the fuck? Turn that fucking shit off. I don't want to hear no damn Romeo the Roach. Turn that pussy ass shit off before we shoot this bitch up. Welcome to the Roach Motel. Hey, man, you already know what time it is, your boy, Mr. Fuck, you mean DC Young Fly, man. You know what's happening, man. Shout out to the Roach Motel, man. It ain't a real motel unless you got Roach, yeah, yeah. Be a Roach. Hey, ain't nothing to be ashamed of. I'm a Roach. My daddy was a Roach, I think. What's up, you Roach-ass Roach? What you got? 
You got some pocket check, punk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, let me go, oh, man. Ain't a lot. Ain't a lot. It's not working. He out of the ankle lock. He out of the ankle lock. It go R-O-A-C-H-R-O-A. What? Who the fuck? Turn that fucking shit off. I don't want to hear no damn Romeo the Roach. Turn that puss ass shit off before we shoot this bitch up. Welcome to the Roach Motel. We back. It's your boy DJ Filthy Rich. Yeah, it's your boy DJ Big X. What up, DJ Smooth? And this is the We Outside Show. We still outside yes, with sir. my man Real. Ty Real Lewis is in the building. We're talking about yeah. Atlanta history. We're talking about marketing. We're talking about branding. We're talking about building legendary brands that's been lasting over 20 years. And uh, speaking of legendary brands over the years, so you know we're all coalition DJs. So we are a DJ crew, but you were managing one of the original DJ crews in the city, the Super Friends. Yeah. So let's talk about that, man. How did you end up managing the Super Friends and describe how that all came together and, and the influence that y'all had and the impact at that time? So what was ill about that, uh, DJ Sense came to me and he was telling me about this DJ crew called the Super Friends. Nobody really knows them, but they're trying to start getting their thing going. So I went, had a meeting with them, and it was every DJ that was on the fucking radio and in every major club. So I was like, oh, shit. So they was really just looking for somebody to promote them. So there's a couple other dudes in there. But I got the office. 300-gallon saltwater fish tank. Adam <laughs> niggas came to the office, you heard? Stun That's how we doing that. <laughs> right? Flex. I've been to you that gotta, you It's impressive. There. It's impressive. You, but you had to do that. You got to think, this is the era we in now is like, everybody be nice. Everybody be humble. Dim your light. Don't do that. No. That era was turned the fuck up. So now you got all of them in there. So I knew I needed to have them because of what? If record I got promotion. all these record label accounts, I got the DJs. Right. So instead of me telling them I was going to manage them, I, I found all their pain points. What don't y'all like doing? I already knew what it was. Y'all don't like talking to people. Y'all don't like talking to promoters. Y'all don't, right. I took all the shit that they don't want to do, and I put a contract that said I will represent you in those areas. So I really didn't, it was kind of where I kind of finagled it, but that's how I ended up getting it. But I didn't really manage the, the DJs individually, but I did. If that, I don't know if that makes sense. It was like I managed the brand. Right. right. <clears throat> I didn't really manage the DJs individually, but they didn't have managers, so I just tried to keep everybody under my wing the best right. I could. Yeah, because like during that time when y'all was doing that, I was on the sideline, I ain't even going to lie. That was before Legion of Doom, before Hitman. Y'all are the reason why Legion of Doom even came to be. Yeah. Because the stronghold on the city was so strong with the super friends and the promotions and, and the things they was doing. The street DJs felt like they didn't have a voice. And with the street DJs, a lot of the street DJs knew this about me because they still came to my office. Because for me, I needed every, I wanted every DJ in Atlanta in the world to be a super friend. Right. I had a different reason. I'm a record promoter. Right. 
But then certain members of that organization just wanted it to be sexy. They just wanted to be cool. For me, I was like, nah, I need everybody. And I was, uh, I personally hung out with like Kool-Aid and yeah. I was cool with certain niggas like that. So I was like, damn. But I needed all of them to be in it because I wanted to start a, D a union for the DJs. Hmm. I sound like X, about that. Yeah, yeah. Sound like you. Sound like X, it? But, <laughs> it, but it just, it just, you know, it's kind of challenging because in order to start a union, people have to be on the same page. And if we say, yo, we're going to shut this club down. Everybody got to agree. Nigga might not eat. Right. Come on, let's stack up the bread. Let's throw our own parties. But, you know, those DJs weren't, um, they weren't really that aggressive in, in personality like a strip club DJ was. Right. Strip club DJs ain't give a fuck. That's us. But they <laughs> Shout out to the coalition. We don't give a fuck, <laughs> nigga. Give me the money. But they were more like, you know, they went to college. They was they yeah. was more uh, they was more like uh, just nice guys, like just cool. I'm not saying that strip club. Yeah, they was, was good cool, guys. Just nah. More yeah, of the good, good guy. guy kind yeah. of. That's you why the super friends. Legion of Doom was the friends. bad guys. The, the super and then friends. you got to remember, the guy who started that, man, him was bumping heads a lot. So... It was like, I'm going to go after this guy and start the, the Legion of Doom. Reason why I didn't give it no light, because I was like, listen, I'm not about to be out here on some corny shit with Super Friends versus Legion of Doom. I don't want to hear nobody diss them niggas. Don't talk about it. Don't do none of that shit. And I was cool with a lot of the DJs still yeah, in there, and yeah. I needed to be. Yeah, and, I, and that was the right. cool thing about it, because I took a lot of what was going on then, mm -hmm. like even when you say, Man, I had I knew the street DJs and I knew the club DJs I, and I knew the radio cats. I wanted to kind of blend them all together. I wanted them all in. I kind of took that same philosophy with Coalition and was like, okay, I'm gonna take the street cats and take some of the little lounge dudes and mm -hmm. mix them together. But I knew I was gonna get resistance from the radio cats because they felt like they're on a bigger plateau. Correct. They don't really have to do some of the things that the strip club and the street mm -hmm. cats would do. So I just took a lot of that that I seen like from street from. I took a little bit of everybody. I ain't gonna lie. Super yeah. Friends, Hitmen, um, 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 Legion of Doom, and I kind of just mixed it. And I, and I took what I seen, where I felt like a lot of things that they wasn't doing during that time, mm -hmm. we just took it and we just kind of leaned on the things that they wasn't doing, and we kind of just started doing those things. And, and you know, the, the, a lot of things that affect growth is timing. Think about Black Planet. All that was <laughs> was Facebook. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 He ain't cash out like like that because he was ahead of his time. Some of the shit with the super friend DJs was ahead of his time. Yeah. Because DJs wouldn't even put. Uh, I remember Mars. Me and Mars used to go through this all the time. The promoters wouldn't put the DJ's name on a, on a flyer. Right. I had to fight through a lot of that for them. Um, promoters wasn't paying DJs. <laughs> the rates, I'm sure that probably still going on. Yeah, it still happens. Shit, if oh, you we talk about that now. <laughs> but it hadn't, it hadn't got any better. But if you don't have a collective to stand strong and say, yo, we're not going to allow that. So that's why I came in. And then me being an outsider, because I didn't know them. You know, most of them went to the AUC, Clark right. and yeah. all that, Spellman Connection. I didn't go there. So I was just really a nigga from New York who came to Atlanta, and everybody's trying to figure out. Who who is he? Where, how do you get every DJ in Atlanta that fast? Mm -hmm. I had an office with a fish tank. <laughs> with a fish tank. Be clear, it had a fish tank in there. Got, salt water, salt yeah, water, right? Salt water with exotic fish all Let's over the world. Let's be clear, especially from India. But you, but that, but that was you had to have the look. If I'm telling you a certain price, you gotta. I always tell people dress how you want to be addressed. 
you got to dress for the job you want, not the job you got. Right. Mm -hmm. So when people would come to my office and they had to pay a premium, it's no different than when you go to Mercedes or Porsche and they give you a bottle of water mm -hmm. versus when you go to Honda, you got to just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how creative I was. You got, you got a was, nice Porsche though. outside, nigga. You go, get, you go to Porsche, nigga, they giving you chips. They oh, giving, it's very comfortable. Yeah. It's yeah. Very, Everything. But they also going to take all my money when I get it repaired, but too. You so pay they better. For that, but you pay for the experience. Experience, facts. Yeah. But, but to even address what you're saying about the issue with the promoters putting the, the name of the DJ on them, I got so creative, I would go and remake my own flyer. Correct. And I, and I put my face as big. I've so if them. I was DJing the show with an uh, artist, I would put my face on the flyer and just as big as the artist. Mm -hmm. And it it started a trend. So people were like, well, damn, he's, I put my name and my picture. It's I can pull up stuff now from like 2009, like I'm side by side with Future. Yeah. yeah. He's this big, I'm on the other side this big. And it worked. So even if the promoter who was paying him wouldn't do it, it's like, well, you you know, we got you DJing, and I might have booked the show. Exactly. But I, I took it upon myself to say, hey, man, I'm going to give a guy $40, remake the flyer, and put me on here, and I use my platform and promote myself and brand it. And it worked. It does work. Because that was another thing. Um, there was an era that where DJs started having the host come in. And I used to. <laughs> I hate hosts. I was the one that was on everybody's neck. So of course, me being, and I'm younger than, so I'm coming fresh out of New York. I don't give a fuck. I'm talking crazy, but they didn't. I said, "Yo, don't ever let nobody take your microphone, nigga. What's wrong with you?" Right. Like, don't let a nigga take the mic. But they didn't. You got to think. A lot of y'all niggas is lazy, so you didn't want to do it anyway. <laughs> nigga, if you want to talk to the mic, you get him. I less work for me. I but you're losing your power because who got the mic got the power, nigga. That's who I could shout my name out a thousand times. Right. And they're going to leave remembering me. Right. Yep. I said, why do you think on every mixtape, I make sure y'all shout me out? Every club I walk in, I tell y'all, yo, nigga, the sooner you see me walk in that club, shout me out. Speak on it. You got to do that. It's brand building. It's brand building. I'm walking in there with, there you go. <laughs> there I you like go. stuff out over there. Yeah. When I walk yeah. in the club, shout me out as soon as you see me. And then it started being a joke where people just be like, watch Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, nigga, fuck that. I'm walking in. Got 20 girls with me. Shout out to my nigga real in the building. I, I felt like Mitch and paid in full, baby. Word. Yeah. <laughs> but it the works. The club scene. So I want to, um, for the people that don't know, especially like this this is broadcasted, you know, everywhere. We on the internet. So for the people outside of Atlanta or, or even in Atlanta, some of the younger guys, when we're talking about the super friends, a lot of people don't know them. So we got a lot of young DJs that watch the show. Oh, wow. A lot of young artists. Right. So... Let's be clear. Can you name the super friends at the time who were part of the, you know, part of your crew so they know like these guys were them guys? Because yeah, the, one of the guys right now, he's major. One of, Shit, he, a lot of them. A lot of them is major, actually. Right. Facts. Um, so you got, so I, I guess since the Grammys just went, you got DJ Drama who won a Grammy. You got Don Cannon. You got Sense. Um, you got DJ Trauma, who's Dave Chappelle DJ. You got DJ Mars, who DJs for damn near everybody. Usher in Vegas, yeah. you name it. Monica. Knows that. Mo yeah. Monica. You got DJ Bobby Black. You got uh, Frank Ski. Frank Ski was a super friend. What? Frank yeah. Ski is a super friend. He was a super friend. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the all-star team. So Infamous. Infamous. Infamous actually wasn't a super friend. He was like intern, right? He was later on. He, I don't think he ever became a super friend. Okay. So, what, what, so because of my office... DJ Infamous was my intern. He probably interned for me for like a day or two before he quit. He said he stayed longer than that. <laughs> you didn't stay that long, brother. Shout out my dog. You didn't stay that long. 
but you had Infamous, and you had a lot of dudes, but because I was cool with all the DJs, I was really just trying to help everybody. But of course, that caused conflict for me, but I, I gave the person who I felt was best for the job the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Shout out my big homie, DJ Fahrenheit, Jeezy's You got, fee, you got Jeezy, yeah. you got Boom Bip. If anybody knows DJ Boom Bip, female DJ, girl. where is yeah. she? I haven't seen her in years. Yeah. Nobody knows where she's at. Tell her real loves her. And I hope you out there doing well. Yeah. Um, you got what, DJ Shaq Campbell, DJ Shaq for uh, Bow Wow. Yeah. New Edition. You got Special T, God Bless the Dead. You got DJ C Styles. See, call You got, uh, I don't want to forget nobody. You, you got, damn, it's a lot of them. I, it's just, I'm drawing a blank right now. But it's a, it's a lot of them. It was a lot of them, though. There's a lot of them. All major, major, major. Yeah. And, they and was, I probably forgot the ones I'm the coolest with. So and see, and, and, and even Cowboy. R.I.P. Cowboy. Rest in peace to Cowboy. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, even during that time, they said the bar because, like, they was, like, one of the first DJ crews I ever seen. Like, they actually promoted the DJs. Well, you remember they did, like, the baseball cards and, mm-hmm. like, that was like one of the things that make me go, if I get a DJ crew, I'm going to do that. Borrowed, I borrowed all <laughs> that shit for myself. Yeah. I seen it. But see, and then one, one of the things, too, how I got all the label accounts, I took a whole bunch of broken records, I put them in a manila envelope, and mailed them to all the record labels and put We Break Records. <laughs> it's just little shit like that. Super hard. So when it, when it, when it, when it, when the record exams is opening it, they dumping it out. There's a number of broken records. It's a flying in Super Friends We Break Records. Just yeah. all those little things. And then with me having the national street team accessible, I'm sending DJ flyers out there. So now their name is spreading throughout the, uh, throughout the country because then that's how we got uh, DJ Mad Links. Okay. You know Mad Links? They used yeah. to be on Rap City. Yeah. Um, I think he was a blank. He was a super friend. Damn. Yeah. And it was like, it, it's a bunch of them. I just, I'm, I'm sorry I'm drawing a blank. That was like 20 years ago. Yeah, but that's a lot. And that's a lot of... Big, I mean, big, big names, man. And mm-hmm. but all of that is their skill set was there. But again, it was you with the marketing, the branding, the promotions. Like we were talking off air, the jerseys y'all had the the jerseys, the Super Friends custom of joints. Of course, that's that New York swag. That's that Harlem. That's that Far Rock Harlem swag mixed together. Yeah, yeah. You had to do that because they had to stand out. But I couldn't take the credit for all of the marketing because we work. It was me, Mars, and Trauma, and we work good as a unit. So we'll come together with the ideas, but I'll make sure they were getting executed right so okay it was just a good it was just a good mix at the time you know what i mean so tell me about these clubs man because y'all had the clubs on lock at the the time where atlanta was atlanta <laughs> boy oh yeah that's a fact tell me how how so tell me how the clubs was man for you at that time where you being the man with the super friend well, <laughs> you had in the, oh, in the MF era also hell yeah okay yeah. the first time i met uh meach uh somebody came up to me and they gave me two bottles of cristal so I, I never, I, you see people, you know, like, I don't know who dude is, but I know he, he official, obviously, because you just know what official look like when you walk in the club. Right. So I got two bottles, and he said, yo, the big homie want to meet you. So I walked up there. He's like, well, what do you do? Because people always see me with little Kim walking through clubs. I got Puffy in town, because I would move the artists around, too, when they came in town. Busta Rhymes, you name it. So they didn't really know what I did. And plus, for me, having a lot of ties to the street. They wasn't, people really didn't know I actually had a marketing company. Some people thought I was security. Some people thought I was a goon. They didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Dope boy. Yeah, they didn't know. Because <laughs> you got to remember, at that time, the jewelry I had, everybody wasn't wearing jewelry. Everybody wasn't on that type of time. So when I met him, I told him, oh, I run a marketing company. 
The look on his face was priceless. <laughs> he was like, and then he thought I you did, was another plug he could have. Right. So then what I did from there, I introduced him. So I did a, a a mixer for him, and that's when I flew down all the DJs from New York and around around the country. So you had uh, Lady L, Murder Mommies, DJ Self. That's how DJ Self, and I don't know if y'all know Tone Bird, but that's how Tone Bird and Meech met was through me. That's how they met. Uh, and it was probably a bunch of other DJs there too, but that's that's how that whole thing started. I got a lot of, it's so many stories that's just like interweaved with each other that we'll be here for days. And y'all wouldn't even know what to ask, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. because a lot of this shit was just happening behind the scenes and organically. So it's just no way to, there's no way to just come out unless I come out with a book. And my book don't even talk about that, you know what I mean? Speaking of books, so that's a good transition because I, I initially brought you on here to talk about the book, but your history <laughs> is so crazy. I just wanted, you know, Appreciate to talk it. about that. But let's talk about the book. So right now, you're not even doing any of this anymore. Like you've transcended and now you become a writer. You're a day trader. Yep. I seen you got horses. This is my man. He got yeah. my man got horses. You know what I mean? So talk to the people about your elevation and what you got so, going on now. So I wouldn't say I don't do it anymore. I just do you have to be referred. Mm -hmm. I don't take clients off the street. If I, if you're not coming from somebody, like if X don't call me and say, yo, we got some artists, they need some marketing, I'm not doing it. I'm not really dealing with just random people off the street. So, and it's, it's just, that's how I choose to move. Um, but I'm, I'm a trader. I've been trading for, uh, since 2010. Okay. So I've been trading for 12 years. So you know, but I'm not like, you know, with all these people, oh, my child trades Forex. Now, it's a whole different ballgame over here, baby. So having that talent saying you're trading, I know like now, and I have to say this because, you know, you know mm -hmm. trading, the financial literacy mm -hmm. and all that is kind of like now mm -hmm. in the black community is very popular. Mm -hmm. And everybody's running to the Internet and podcasts to give financial advice and financial, you know, trying to be, you know, financial speakers. Mm -hmm. Why haven't you did that yet? I don't want to be popular. <laughs> That's it. I get phone calls about it all the time as far as just me doing a podcast, me doing this. Oh, you know all these people. But when you lived it for real and you was really outside, I didn't actually, I got to a point where I don't really enjoy the, the popularity because okay. you know why? I'm still a real nigga at heart. So I might not always be diplomatic. Right. This shit, you start talking crazy, boom, it's lit. Let's go. Suit on and anything. Let's get it popping. That shit can happen out of nowhere. Right. So that's a side people don't know. You know what I'm saying? I get active. So they don't I let didn't the, want don't to let do the suit fool, fool you. Nah, and not, not like <laughs> tough guy stuff. It's just regular. Like, I, I don't want to have to live up to a squeaky clean image. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, my, like my, when I started getting bigger, they started putting me in PR stuff. And, and so you can't make... You can't curse. You can't this. I can't have a red cup. You can't. No. I'd rather be like Dame Dash. He can do whatever the fuck he want, drink what he want, do whatever he want, and he's living life because money don't rule me. Right. Money's a tool. I use it. I make money look good. Money don't make me look good. I like that. It's a different perspective. <laughs> I like that. Talk your shit. All right, so look. This <laughs> my nigga. I couldn't wait for him to come on the show. So, um, all right, so we didn't the, even go crazy yet. The trading. So how does the trading work? And then uh, that, and then what is your book about? All right, so so one thing about me, I wanted to start being a stockbroker on Wall Street. So I started taking professional classes of really how to trade. So this is okay. a lot different than all the people you meet on YouTube, all that stuff. So no shade, but no, that is what it is. 
So I'm a real professional trader. There's things every time I go in their classes, I'm like, oh, these niggas, they don't really know what they're doing. They're not, they're not traders. Right. They just know how to recruit people, make money from recruitment, which is fine because you're making your money how you make it. Right. And then they say they made it trading. That's how they that's how they getting people. No, people yes. who come to my class, even though I don't be having a lot of people, if you know, you know, you get in my class, then and I take people off the street for that. That is something I'll take random people for. Okay. But that's how they end up learning for that. So once I went through that, you know, I own restaurants, all that stuff, I just started seeing so many so called gurus online and they was giving out wrong information. And then I just started feeling like our people are also being bamboozled by our people. Right. Because I was outside, I ain't seen none of y'all niggas. <laughs> so I don't know how all these business gurus came about. I don't know. I didn't see you. That don't mean you didn't exist. Right. But I didn't see you for all these gurus to pop up. So then I said, you know what? I know the information I got is real and true because I'm a humanitarian at heart. I'd rather do that. So let me... So. Let's make, let's let's break it down to basics, right? Okay. Because now we're talking about trading. Mm-hmm. So the average person that's sitting in that's listening to this right now don't really know what trading is. You know what I'm saying? So okay. break it down basic, you know, trading for dummies. All right. So you have there's two differences. You have an investors and traders. Investors, you put in money into a stock, you make money when the stock goes up. That's it. Stock goes down, you lose money. As a trader, we know how to put in different orders, what we call long and short orders. So I make money whether the stock goes up or down because I know how to read the chart. I'm called what they would call a chartist. I know how to read the stock charts. They make patterns. You know, they got, it's just other stuff that goes with it. But it's not even that complicated. Yeah, but it's not even that hard. You just have to learn from somebody that actually really knows how to do it. Okay. So that's it. So the graph, I do a little Mm -hmm. little bit. I dab a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you actually look at the graph, the graph really tells you what? It tells you, the, the patterns tell you possible price movement. So if you get, let's say, a head and shoulders pattern, that's a reversal pattern. So if the stock was moving up, it makes a head and shoulders pattern, you know, oh, that shit about to reverse, it's dropping. Okay. It goes to the bottom, let's say the stock going down, it makes what's called the double bottom. You're like, oh, that shit might go up after that. If you know how to use the RSI, then you know how to see divergence, you know how to spot the divergence on the RSI, you know that's price movement. That's a price change. That's a difference in price movement. So, uh-huh. so when we look at this, so when, <laughs> so when we look at this profession, and it's not—I I promise it sounds fancy—but I, I, I take it. I was going around to different jails teaching inmates how to that were about to uh, leave how to trade. So I broke that shit all the way down so it could be not as fancy as it sound on here. Okay. So when you break that down, like when you when you got when you're trying to do like just say if I wanted to trade, like mm-hmm. why you don't see a lot of people in that profession? It's, um, well, a lot of us. Let me say that because they, it's like anybody. And they say, "Well, you want to hide something from somebody? Put it in a book. book." Yeah. It sounds fancy when you look at this. When I use, there's a story in my book about how I wanted to become a stockbroker growing up in Far Rock in the hood because I went to a Jewish school. But when you look at it, CNBC, you like, what is that? It's not entertaining. <laughs> When I in my book, my first chapter is called Finding Hidden Gems. It talks about me growing up in Far Rockaway, Queens, in New York, and how I went to a yeshiva, a Jewish school. But then when I leave there, who am I talking to about being a stockbroker? Right. Nobody. Right. My moms would be like, even when I was popping as an entrepreneur, I'm making almost a million dollars at this point. She's like, you need to get a good city job. A city <laughs> job? 
Nigga, you wow, I'm making that a month. <laughs> but for her, she just looked that, at it yeah, like, that's, no, that's what they a, know. You need to get a good city job. So because we think about it, if you grow up in a community, like in a in a in a Jewish community, um, there's more probably doctors and certain type of things. All right, that's where your influence comes from. That's what you particularly push to be. If you're growing up in a hood, I don't it's not that many doctors that right. look like you. Correct. So you're gonna na- gravitate to what? What looks like you. Possible rapping, the street, streets, yeah. this hustling. However, you how, get it, how you live, city jobs, which is not bad because stability is great. Right. But that's that might not always get you to the moon. That's not gonna get you to the Bentley truck. It could in today's time because with your city job, you got extra knowledge. Right. You could go make some investments, but typically back then, a job just meant you are secure. So what's the hardest part about being a trader? Because I see if it was easy for everybody to do it, everybody would be doing it. So it's even, I, and I could keep it a buck with you. One of the reasons, like my 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 knowledge is top tier. And I told somebody this the other day because they tried to shit on me. My knowledge, my account will catch up to my knowledge because you can know all the stuff I know. But one thing about trading too is the psychology of a trader. Greed will kill you. Hmm. I blew a $300,000 account trying to go for the moon, nigga. I was trying to be <laughs> out of here. I was shitting on everybody, but I got that shit going. It was over. So I'm nigga, I'm over leveraging my account. I got a problem with over leveraging my account. I'll buy more uh, uh, contracts than my account can handle. When it goes, when it's going for you, it's, it's up. It's stuck. Right. It's it go against you. Why you think you be seeing motherfuckers jumping out the window, killing stuff? <laughs> I would have said that. That, went up. that was my next question. Like, what actually <laughs> caused someone to jump out of the window? Shit, losing, losing a three hundred thousand dollar cap. I was almost dead. I went through a crazy depression. I opened my restaurant, had my kid, my 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 second, my youngest daughter Madison was being born. Her mother was driving me crazy. The, the restaurant, the the music business was collapsing. I built a sub a mini subdivision, a couple of houses. The real estate market was this, and I'm over here trying to learn how to trade fucking forex. <laughs> Nigga, I don't want to die. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. Nigga wanted to die, dog. Yeah. So then, but then that's what kind of got me into my book because then I had to start finding how am I gonna make money. And once the music business kicked back in, they plugged in with people that um, was still around. Mm-hmm. So it went from people, like, like if you notice, the gatekeepers kept out certain people for a reason. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because they can replace them. You're supposed to move up and out. Right. Niggas ain't moving up and out. Mm. But then what they did was they started hiring safe people. Then from safe, they went to street niggas because the street niggas had what? They had the clubs on lock. Right. They didn't know what to do with marketing. So they took the internet stuff, put that on, um, uh, uh, if you take the artist to the club, then now you got something to show for the internet. Right. Then they tried, that wasn't really, that started fading out. So then they tried to go back to uh, kind of like back to safe people, but then the street niggas still had like a, a stronghold on it. So it just kind of stuck with street executives now. Where, you know, you know how it go. Yeah. You, got, you got a hood nigga with a, with a nigga with who a do a little something, you got yeah. a bag, now we lit. Right. That's how it go. So that's a big industry change. A lot of people didn't even see how that shit went. I was watching on the sidelines just like, damn, I see it. I'm watching these changes. Yeah, like and even now, it ain't like, you know, the street money just, you know, 
part of the problem now why you don't see a lot of artists breaking out. It, it, ain't, it ain't street street money is not there like it's not there no more. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? A lot of artists that was breaking, a lot of these artists that was having that real support behind them, that money was coming out of the street. They're, they're, I don't want to. I, I don't know what's. Well, it'd be so much stuff we're talking on the internet because the stories I really got, I, you know, I can't really say because then you don't know how much how much of a jam you're putting somebody in. Right. right. But there was a dude. I want to say his name so bad. I don't know. I don't know where he's at. But is a street dude who used to come to my office with Kroger. He'll send some girl. With a hundred thousand dollars on the Kroger bag, right? I'm like, shit, yo, close the door, lock it. We had, I had to go buy a money machine to count the money for his account for his project, right? That's it. But yeah, they ain't, they ain't happening like that no more. Nah, 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 nah. nah. Uh-uh. nah. Weed is legal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that too. That too. And it's, the, the internet it's messed up a lot of that too because a lot of these guys. All right, so here's here's my thing, right? It's, and it, it might be an age thing, and maybe they was just raised different, but our OGs always taught us, like, we used to duck cameras. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were raised to, like, be in the corner. When somebody pulled a camera around, they could kind of be like, nah, I don't want no picture. These guys are jumping all in front of the camera, saying everything that they doing, saying everything they got going on, and then they out of here. So I think that kind of changed the game, too. Not only are the streets dry, but everybody telling on themselves. Well, that and that's why I had, I used to want to rap. Right, I'm from Queens. You can't be from Queens and don't have, don't have some kind of rap school skills. Right. Actually, I was about to sign God Bless the Dad to Guru, Ill Kids label. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Good and stuff. there's a dude named Fred Bell watching this. Contact me, Fred. So, <laughs> um, so we, I'm always leery about the camera because there's one half of me that want to jump in front of the camera because shit, I like that shit. I'm a Leo. I, I'm from New York. That's right. I stand on the table, start the party. But then there's the other half that's like, damn, the feds is watching. Right. I don't even do nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how you grow up. You always grow up like the fucking feds is watching. watching. I don't mm-hmm. even do nothing. It's like driving in your car and you got insurance, you got your ID, mm-hmm. you got your license, and you still nervous. It's in our DNA, man. It's in our DNA to yeah. be like that. So when everybody tells me, you know, why don't you start doing this and doing that, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to be popular like that. Yeah. I don't mind, you know, a good look here and there, but I don't know if I want that pressure on me. So let me fast forward to 2023. If I was an artist right now, let's say if I was, we ain't even gonna say a ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Let's just say if I was a new artist and I was a hot artist out, out of Atlanta right now, what would you think marketing, promotion-wise, I would need to do? I, I would, I would, I would tell artists to do what we call lifestyle marketing campaigns. And you want the rest of the sauce? Contact DJ X. <laughs> contact <laughs> Filthy Rich. They know how to get to me. Get at me. Word. No free game. I, I, I know we are running out of time, so I do want to make sure that we plug the book. So tell everybody what the name of your book is, where they can find it. So my book is called Turn Your Purpose Into a Profit. Um, one of the inspirations behind the book for me and everything that I'm doing, I'm leaving footprints behind for my daughters. So in case one day something happens to me, not forecasting any future or anything, but I almost died in Turks and Caicos a while ago. People who know the story know it was crazy. So, But then I realized I didn't, I didn't, I'm not leaving enough behind. You can always leave behind money, but they won't even know what to do with the money if I don't leave behind some knowledge. So I got a meditation on YouTube. Um, I got the book, Turn Your Purpose Into Profit. It's a spiritually based business book that helps people dig in to find their purpose in life. Because one thing I learned in life is this, I'd rather a happy 100,000 than a miserable million. Because if you're not living out in your purpose, it doesn't matter how much money you make. Money isn't the root of all evil, and it's not the most important thing, but it's a necessity. So make sure that you pick up that book if you're feeling lost in life. I'm a person that wanted to help people that's mm-hmm. dealing with depression, 
uh, people that's dealing with anxiety, and people that just really feel like they lost. And if you're already successful, the book will help you with just maybe putting you back on track with your purpose, or you could pick up some gems on marketing, promotions, and advertising that you might not have thought of. It's a different perspective on life. Uh, Very dope, man. Shout out to my brother, Real Man. Tyrell Lewis is in the building. We outside. This is the We Outside show. We out of here. We'll see y'all next time. Shout out to all my outsiders. We out. Don't kill your dreams. Execute them. Oh, say that again. Get the camera on him, buddy. Get the camera on him, buddy. Say it one more time. All right, everybody. Thank you for having me. Um, My name is Tyrell Lewis, (laughs) a.k.a. The Executor. Don't kill your dreams. Execute them. Boom. We out.